So Pastor Ward oversees our men's ministry, which, which meets every Saturday morning, I think at 6.30 breakfast, and then 7 o'clock we actually begin. Uh, but this Saturday we're not going to have our men's ministry meeting because we have our Ho'olalea. And so if you're not, if you're not aware that we have our Ho'olalea, uh, you're, you're going to have a great time here. First of all, we have the biggest rummage sale ever in the history of Hilo. And that's going to open up uh, first thing in the morning. So you want to be here. And I believe it's 6, right? 6 o'clock, it opens up. And if you ever had a garage sale, people come to your house like 4 o'clock in the morning. They wait outside. Because we had a garage sale and we opened at 8. And there, I was like, hey, somebody outside stealing our stuff. And Heidi goes, no, they come that early. I'm like, whoa, that's kind of too early for me. But we're going we're gonna to open up early. And then we have all kinds of things for the children. Uh, but we're also going to have uh, some food, entertainment. It's just going to be a, a wonderful day. And all the proceeds go to our Life Stage Ministries, our youth and our children, uh, for the things that they do, the camps that they put on and the various things our, our children do. And if you were here last week, we had our district camp, Legacy, and it, the, the worship time that we got to spend with our youth as well as the youth getting to spend that week away from home and, and focusing on the Lord is priceless. You can't put a dollar amount on that. So all of the proceeds go to that. And that's going to be this Saturday from uh, the Rummage Still starts at 6 o'clock. Uh, I think there's a, a, also a craft uh, fair that's happening. That's going to begin at 6, I believe, in the morning. And everything is going to run till uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, certain things, I think, will end at 12. I think the rummage sale, when everything goes, then they close that down so that they can prepare the place for Sunday because we have church on Sunday. So just come out on Saturday and let your family and friends know. Post it on social media. That way we can get everybody, uh, let everybody aware of what's happening. And the reason why I bring that up is because that's what we do. We reach out to people so that they can know Jesus Christ. It's not about the rummage sale or the craft vending booths. or It's not about uh, the fundraising or the finances. It's really about people coming to know Jesus Christ. That's the end result. That's what we're, we're focusing on and that's our goal. That's our aim. That's our vision. It's to reach the lost one relationship at a time. Here at our Wednesday night, we call it equip because our heart is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Did you know that? That you are saints. You are ministers unto God. If you said yes to Jesus Christ and he's your Lord and Savior, you're a minister. You have now transitioned from being ministered to to now being a minister in our world today. That's, what, that's how God designed the church. It's so that we can be a light into the world. I think for some of us, we would say, I'm not qualified. I, I don't have the credentials. I, you should see my life. If I start talking to people about Jesus and, and showing them the way, I, I don't even know the way. I'm trying to find the way. Well, the way is Jesus Christ. He already told us that. You just point people to Jesus. Don't point them to yourself. Point them to Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 4, uh, verse 11 through 12, it's on the back side of your, your bulletin and where you can take notes. That's our scripture for our Wednesday night services, our equipped services. Because it's Jesus who gave, himself, who gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the... <laughs> it sounds like school right now. For the, and if, and uh, and you got to fill in the blanks. But the scripture's on the back side just in case you didn't know. 
Or I have a great idea. How about on Wednesday nights, we bring our Bibles. It's just a suggestion. Just a suggestion. You bring your Bibles. Some of you have a Bible app on your phone. You can break that out. Our Wi-Fi is not connected yet, so you're on your own on that one. But we're trying to get it to the place where we can have Wi-Fi uh, for everyone. Free. Available for you. And some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. Part of the body of Christ in, in, in general. But this is the body of Christ. So when God calls us to serve Him to a certain capacity, whatever giftings He's given to you, it edifies the body of Christ. It cannot, church cannot operate on one person. It must be the body of Christ together. That's what Jesus meant when He said, All authority is given. All authority. Then He passed that authority on to you and I. We know it in Matthew 28 as the Great Commission. And if you do have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 28. We're go- Tonight, I-, I, want us to, I want us to focus on this. And if you want to write a title down, you can write this. What's so great about the Great Commission? What's so great about the Great Commission? Because we hear about it, or if you've never heard about it, you're going to learn about it. What's so great about the Great Commission? Where our church, our church continues to grow, and it heads into the direction that the Lord is leading us. So there are seasons that we go through, especially as a church. We all go through seasons. In life, we go through seasons. We start off as babies, then toddlers, and then as we continue to grow as children, we grow into teenagers, and then as teenagers, because we know everything, we come into an adulthood where we know even more than what we did as teenagers. Then young adults at that age, man, we know everything there is to know. We got it set. We know how we're going to get our finances, where we're going to live. I mean, we got it down. We don't need our parents at that stage until we need our parents and we need some place to stay and we need finances. Then we turn back, which is okay for a season because our parents have wisdom. But we go through those seasons and then, and then from the young adult years into I don't know, I don't even know if we just skip something, but we hit this midlife time. It's like a 30s and 40s and, and then into our 50s and then our senior age and then the golden years. We head into those years. So every season is different, but nonetheless, it's a season. And so just like the church, the body of Christ, we go through seasons. The disciples, when they first were called by Jesus Christ, when he said, follow me, they didn't know where he was going. They're thinking physically, okay, follow you, but where are we going? They thought physically, but Jesus was referring to an idea, a vision of what God was bringing to this earth. So it took a long time for the disciples to understand what Jesus meant by saying, follow me. When Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the grave, this is what he says to his disciples, Matthew chapter 28. We know it as the Great Commission. Jesus came and spoke to them. He said this, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is what we call the Great Commission. But it wasn't always called the Great Commission. 
Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary to China, who founded the Inland China Missions, he, he, he put it this way. He said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. It's not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. As a believer, the Great Commission is not an option. It's a no-brainer. It's a part of who we are. God gave us that command that goes with believing in Him. It's a part of it. It's not separate as a choice to say, I'm not sure if I'm going to go into all the world and make disciples because we're thinking missionary. We're thinking go into the world. But if you think about it, the world is a circle. Where is the beginning of the world? Where is the end of the world? Where, where do you begin? Where do you say, oh, oh, this is where we start, and then go into the world? Where, where is that? Oh, it's a third world country. No, it's not a third world country. It's the farthest place from where you live. But did you know missionaries come to Hilo? They come to Hilo. They're saying, God has called me to the ends of the earth. I'm going to Hawaii. The small dot in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. To them, that's the farthest corners. Many people, believe it or not, think we still live in grass huts. They still believe that. They ask me. Now, this is people that I know. They ask me, hey, do you guys have internet in Hawaii? I'm like, what do you mean, internet? Yeah, do you guys like have, how do you guys get Wi-Fi there? I'm like, oh, same, same way we travel, canoes. That's, I mean, we get coconut, coconut trees that get wires on top. It's, we get them. We hunt pig all day, it's, you know. So sometimes people think that this is the end of the earth, but the heart behind it is Jesus said, go. That's the whole point. It's not, it's not necessarily where you're going it's the fact that you go it's an obedience thing it's not an option if you call yourself a christian it's not an option to go and make disciples it's not an option it's almost like saying we're planning to have a child but i don't want to be a parent we're planning on having a son or a daughter and whatever it, you know we have but i'm not going to be a dad not going to be a mom you have no choice. Once they're born, you're automatically a parent. Now, of course, you can give them up for adoption, but that doesn't change the fact that you're the biological mother or the biological father. You, you don't, it's not an option. You're automatically a father or a mother. And so it is when we're born again, we're automatically disciple makers. We're automatically people who go into the world. It's an automatic thing, but here's where we, we confuse the two. We think it's an option. We think, well, if, I'm, if I have time, then I can. If God calls me, then I will. He already did. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How many of you guys live on earth? Raise your hand, just real quick, just a quick test, just to see if you're, okay, <laughs> right? Some of us are laughing because it's an obvious, okay, some of you guys, anyway, no, I don't want to go there. But the, the Great Commission is all about obedience. And in, in these two ways, one, being discipled. That's what the Great Commission is talking about, being discipled. And the other one is discipling others. That, that's what discipleship mean. It means. 2 Timothy 2.2, if, if you turn there real quick, 2 Timothy 2.2. I love what it says about discipleship it says and the things that you have heard from me and this is paul the apostle discipling young timothy 
He says, these things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what Paul is saying is the, the real dynamic difference about discipleship versus being just a teacher is a teacher will teach and then the student applies. Discipleship is the discipler teaches the student how to teach someone else to teach someone else to teach someone else. And you and I are here as a result of that 2,000 years later. But the church dies, discipleship dies, if we don't continue that continuum. A disciple is someone who disciples someone else to disciple someone else to disciple someone else. It's a never-ending mirror facing one another of a reflection. It continues on and on and on and on until Jesus Christ comes back. That's our, that's our command. He gave that to us. So we're going to be addressing those two things, being discipled and then discipling others. And I, and I know that word disciple already, it almost sounds like a Christian word, but they use it in martial arts. That when you're learning, you, you are a disciple of your sensei, your master, your teacher. You're being discipled. So don't be afraid of the word disciple. Because a disciple basically is a learner, begins that way. But a disciple is also translated to gain knowledge or to learn by use and practice. So when you learn something, you're practicing it. You're putting, into, putting it into application. And so when Jesus said to make disciples, you go out and you go make disciples. Now, Jesus uses this word uh, make disciples or to learn three times in the New Testament to learn because he wants us to learn from him. When he called Matthew to follow him, the tax collector, uh, Matthew followed him and then Jesus was at Matthew's home, I believe, and Matthew had a lot of his buddies there, all of his tax collecting friends. It's like all the sinners were hanging around Matthew because they didn't know Jesus yet. And so Matthew, having some, you know, non-believing friends, invited them over, hoping that maybe, maybe they would follow Jesus also. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they said to one another, they're like, wait, what? Why is he with sinners? Why is he among sinners? How can he be eating with tax collectors and sinners? And then Jesus addressed them. And then he said this in Matthew 9, 13, and I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. Jesus said this to them, go and learn. He uses that word learn. Go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He called, he called the sinners, not those who believe they're righteous. He called those who understand that they're sinners, that they need a Savior. He himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He gives us that choice to follow him as a sinner who has a heart of repentance. He said, I, I didn't come for those who are well. I came for those who are sick. And it's interesting, even the religious leaders, as sinners, covered it by saying, no, we're well, we're fine. We know the laws of God. We know everything. We got it down. And Jesus said, well, I didn't call you. 
I call those who understand they need a Savior. And so he uses that word learn. It's a tough lesson for those who call themselves more righteous than others. It's a, it's a tough lesson as a disciple, being discipled by Jesus, if you're a believer, that you feel that you're above someone else, that you don't need to be taught by Christ. You don't need to learn anymore. It's a tough place to be in because as a Christian, again, it's not an option if you're going to be discipled. You're automatically being discipled by Jesus. It's an automatic thing, but it's tough if we're in the category of being more righteous than someone else. Matthew 24, 32, he continues, and he says that word again. He says, now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. See, even being a disciple, uh, being a disciple uh, of Jesus Christ is, is someone who is a learner of the obvious. As he was saying, when you see the fig tree and its branches have already become tender... You know what season it is. You know that summer is near. It's obvious when you look at those plants. And so it is as a, as a person who believes in Jesus Christ, a, being discipled, a learner can see the obvious. And if you can't see the obvious in life and, and you can't discern what's happening in your life and you, you kind of cover things up here and there or you, you, you're heading in one direction but then you justify your behavior because ah, it's okay because I'm a sinner and I'm saved under grace. If you're justifying just so that you can get away with things, then you don't understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I, I often am amazed, and, and I got to check myself too on this one, how often I am encouraged by Facebook posts with scriptures and wonderful heartfelt encouragement by people and believers unbelievable unbelievable it just warms my heart but then i get confused by the next post that has swear words and putting people down and talking smack about other people i'm thinking wait a minute is this the same person how can this be the same person how can this be the same person as the bible says can can bitter water and fresh water flow from the same fountain I'm amazed at that. It's challenging for us. If we're saying we're disciples of Jesus Christ, we better show it. It's a challenge. It's not an option. It's a command. He says it goes with the territory. You said yes to me. It's a part of it. There's a cost to discipleship. There's a cost. Oh, it's not easy. If it were easy then it would be like every other religion, every other belief that you just do these things and then, okay, you're good. Jesus said, it's going to be difficult because all sorts of things will come your way that you got to push on the side. And he says, you got to stay close to me. If you don't stay close to me, you'll be distracted by everything else that sounds good to you and makes you feel good. And he says, no, you got to keep focused on me. And again, I understand when you come out of a lifestyle that's all, you know, like myself, uh, growing up, and, and that's all you know of. By the time you come to know Christ, then you gotta, you got to unlearn a lot of things. And that takes time. But that's what a disciple means, is you're willing to learn. I'm willing to learn that I can discern. It's obvious, okay, if I look at this post and this post, I'm just using it as an example, it's obvious. It's obvious. I got to change something. 
If I'm coming to church, Lord, I worship you with all my heart because of who you are. And then I go home and start snapping at my wife, swearing at her and cutting her down and telling mean things to her. That's obvious that I got to change something. That's what a disciple does. A disciple is aware of the obvious and can discern between the two. That's why Jesus says you need to make disciples. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29 he uses this word once again. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and then learn from me. Now, we got to pay close attention to what Jesus just said. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me me. He didn't say learn from the latest selling book. He didn't say learn from this DVD set. He didn't say go learn from this person. Don't, he didn't say go learn from this person who says that they got it all together. He specifically says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, if people are pointing you towards Jesus or there's a book that's pointing you pointing you to Jesus, that's different because it's helping us stay focused on Jesus Christ. But I would say this, for myself and what I've seen that is so important in being a disciple of Jesus Christ is this must be the number one book that I'm going to read. This must be the number one book. This is his words. This is the only book that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing as far as the division of both soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, Hebrews 4.12 tells us. It's the only book. This is the only book that is inspired by God. This is the only book. So we can read other books, but it's not inspired by God. This is the only one God breathed into existence. It's his breath. It's his voice. It's what he's saying. So we can try other things, but I'm telling you, this is the best one. This is the best one. If I have any other book, it better line up with this one. It better line up with this. If it doesn't, I don't want it. Why would I want things that don't line up with what my life consists of? That's what a disciple means. I'm learning from Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. No other book will do that. No other belief will do that. It's Jesus Christ. You will find rest for your soul. And you're going to battle with that. You're going to feel that as a disciple. It's not going to be a battle if you're not a disciple. It's not going to be difficult if you're not a disciple. If you, if you put options there, it's not going to be a battle. It's going to be easy. You're going to say, oh, no, everybody's doing it. Oh, no, it's the next best thing. No, this was on TV. No, I saw this. No, this is good. And it's going to be easy, but as a disciple, oh, now, now the challenge is, Lord, I'm going, to, I'm going to stay focused on you. I'm going to stay close to your word and hear what you're saying for my life. And I found this for me personally. I struggled the most and still struggle the most when God is going to do something great in my life. When he's going to do something great, all kinds of distractions will come your way. I mean, you've, you've been there. And when you stay focused on Jesus Christ, then you, then you think, oh, no wonder no wonder all of this came my way because this is what God was up to. That's why he says, learn from me. 
I, I look at it this way. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, he didn't say, go and watch people. Uh, 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 go, and, go and just talk to people. He says, as a disciple, and when it comes to being a disciple, you have to make them. What do you mean make them? You can't force anybody to do anything. No, no, it's, it's not forcing. It's making something. It's like a, a lump of clay. If you had a lump of clay and you plopped it on this table, you could look at it and say, that's, that's, that's going to be something great. You are going to be an awesome base. Watch. And you can leave and you can come back and you can speak as much as you want to this lump of clay and you can say, you, you are awesome. I mean, you, you're a little hard, you're a little crusty right now, but you're going to be an awesome vase. And one day, you can do great things. People are going to buy you big dollars, big dollars. See you later. Pray over you. And then you leave. You can come back time and time again, but you have to make something with the clay. You have to, it's a, it's a, it's a relationship. You have to relate to the clay. You have to do something to change its form. Now, you're not forcing people, but basically what you're doing is you're pointing them to the best disciple maker in the world. It's Jesus Christ. You're pointing them to God the Father. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. See, we're not discipling one another based on our personality, based on what we believe, based on uh, what feels good or, or, or what I just read. I, we're basing disciple-making on pointing them to the Father who is the potter. We're the, ones, we're the ones gathering people or building relationship with people so that we can make disciples. But we always point them to Jesus Christ because he's the potter. He's the one that puts his hand upon us and then he makes something out of us. See, the Great Commission is a hands-on commission. It's not a from a distance. It's a hands-on. It's a small group setting. It's, a, it's an intimate setting. It's close, near proximity. That's what being a part of the Great Commission is all about. And we don't disciple according to our belief. We disciple according to Christ's belief. And so you might be thinking, okay, so what qualifies me as someone who can disciple others? Where does that come from? Because I, I only have so much that I know, and, and I, I'm still working out of my junk. I'm still working out from my past. I still have some things that are going wrong. And, and so how do I find qualification in this? Do I have to go to school? What do I have to do? I love what Jesus says in John 13, 34, and 35. He says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Then he said this, by this, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know what qualifies you? to being a disciple of Jesus, that all people would see, oh, they're qualified, if you have love for other people. The love of Jesus Christ. If you have that love, you're qualified. You're qualified. Now, if you only have knowledge but no love, you're not qualified. 
You're a noisy gong clanging sound. That's what the Bible tells us. Love must be included in it. Discipleship is based out of a love for God and a love for people. And when you have love, you're qualified. That's what Christ said. That's how they're going to recognize you. And when the Lord is discipling you in areas that you have a difficult time in, it could be a relationship, it could be finances, it, it could be anything, it could be the way we think. If you're having a difficult time in that area and Christ is discipling you, then it's going to be your love for him that makes all the difference. Whatever we struggle with, when he's discipling us, our love for him will make all the difference. Our love for him will say, Lord, I'm going to change. Our love for him will say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give up that so that I can focus on you. Our love for him will outrank anything else that's trying to find its way up to the totem pole on the top and trying to find first place. We say, no, Lord, love. If I love you, everything else, it, it, would, it wouldn't even matter because love never fails. We were watching this, uh, I think it was a soldier training, and it was uh, like a ranger training. They had military training. And I was watching, you know, they start off with like 300 and something guys in this boot camp, and then they end up with maybe 100 and something people. But along the way, you have these sergeants just yelling at the guys, put your head down, soldier. You just got shot in your head. And I'm like, whoa, that's kind of brutal. That's pretty brutal. And these guys are running, and they, they have sleep deprivation. They've been up for 48 hours. And they're trying to put things together, and their hands are all numb because they just came from swimming, and they're trying to put things together. And the guy is right there in their face. You can't put that together. What's wrong with you? You got to get this right, soldier. Do it again. Get back to the beginning. Yes, sir. And they'll go back to the beginning. And I'm watching this. I'm thinking, so mean. These guys are like brutal. Can't you be like, okay, it's okay. It's all right. All you got to do is get, get, turn that on. Perfect. You got him. Good job. Good job. Way to go, buckaroo. Why, why couldn't they just be like that? You know why they can't be like that? Because these guys will die in war. They're treating the training as a real-life situation because they know if they don't do their job, these guys die. And the Bible calls us soldiers of Christ. We're being discipled by Christ. I thank God Jesus does it with grace. I thank God that he's not in my face yelling at me every day, what's wrong with you, Sheldon? What's wrong with you? You better get up. Get your butt up. You better get out there. He just calmly loves me and loves me as a disciple. And he says, here are some things that you got to change because it's a life and death situation. There are people that are, that are down the line of the years that you will be on this earth that are going to be eternally separated from me. I'm counting on you to make it happen. It's a war, and people are dying without me. It's a life and death situation. Now go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you because I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our disciple maker. We can do this. We can do this. Starting September 3rd on our Wednesday nights, 
we're going to be doing some things a little bit different. So I want to prepare you, okay? So take note of this. Don't zonk out right now or, or fall asleep. Be mindful of this. September 3rd, we're gearing up to uh, utilizing our equipped services in a different way. And, and let, me, let me tell you how. Uh, one, we're going to be doing different uh, topics and Bible studies uh, as well as different kinds of sessions uh, we're actually doing three things, a Bible study, a topical study, and then for new people or new believers. And just to give you an idea, the Bible study that we're going to begin is about the, uh, about the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit. So that's one session, and we're going to actually have three different areas that we're going to meet. We're going to meet in here, in the fellowship hall, and in the courtyard. So if one of the sessions that you're going to be taking are in the courtyard, bring a jacket because it, it's, it can be pretty cold outside. Uh, and then uh, Acts and the Holy Spirit is the Bible study that we're going to be doing. The second session, which is happening the same night, those three are happening the same night, so you're going to have to sign up, and we're, we're going to be putting together some pamphlets that you can look at and say, what do I want to sign up for? What do I want to learn? I want to go deeper. I want to be equipped. Then you're going to learn in these three different categories. A Bible study, which is we're going to start with the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit, and then a topical study. We're going to begin with marriage. We're going to have a marriage uh, study uh, and then eventually parenting skills. You know, how can we be a parent as how God instructs us? And then for the new believer or new people, then we'll talk about what it means to be a part of New Hope Hila Hawaii. How does that happen? What is the vision of our church? What do we believe? And so we're going to go through that as one of the sessions. So take time to pray and ask God, what part do I get to play in all of this? And then our, our end goal in all of this is more than uh, just attending, it's being discipled so that you can disciple others. We want coming out of this more small groups, small groups. And some of you already do that without even recognizing it. You are already a part of a small group. It's just not official. You just call some friends, hey, let's go have some coffee, let's go have lunch, let's go cruise, let's go do something. But the end goal is more than just being discipled. It's actually discipling others and having that small group so that when people come to know Jesus Christ, they can connect with the body of Christ. And then what you will do in your small group is you'll raise somebody else up. You'll disciple them to take on that small group or birth their own. And as we continue to do that, then more and more people who are dying without Christ comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We can do this. He, he's counting on us. He said, I leave you with the Holy Spirit. It's all the power you're going to need. It's power from on high. And then he equips us to do the works of the ministry. That's what's so great about the Great Commission. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for setting the example on what it means to be a disciple in, in how we can be people who love others into the kingdom of God. You modeled for us what we need to do and what you're all about. We live in a world, Lord, that nobody else is going to do this except people who belong to you. And you created it that way. But we get distracted by so many things in this world that we believe that this is the way only to find that there's nothing at the end. It just makes us feel good. But we're at a war the war is for souls. 
And Lord, you've called us to be more than conquerors. And you're relying on us. You put it in the hands of your people, your church. And so we want to take that serious, Lord. You commanded us to do so, to go and make disciples. It's a hands-on. It's not a, from a distance. It's a hands-on. So give us a heart, Lord, to persevere when it becomes difficult. Because it will. There's a cost to discipleship. But you paid the highest price. You died for us so that we would have the strength to do all things. You've already commanded us, Lord. We know the assignment. Now it's up to us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We thank you for commissioning us. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen.